0: This morning I'm going to complete a series that I've done through the month of August here called Tune Up. And sort of drawn the image along with that of taking care of an automobile. So most of you, if not all of you, have a vehicle or have at one time had a vehicle or in your family maybe there's a vehicle. You know a little something about cars because here where we live in this country, it's a very common way to get around with transportation. But you also know then that cars have to be maintained. Vehicles need maintenance along the way, and we've been considering over the last weeks the way that perhaps our walk of faith, our spiritual life, needs some periodic maintenance as well in order for our life of faith, our spiritual life, to run smoothly. And for our faith to be built up. So, we're going to conclude that one here today. And we've talked in the past weeks about all those things that maybe you do as routine maintenance every now and then. Check the wheel alignment, change the oil, brake pads, that sort of a thing. All those things that go along with having a car. But today I want to consider something that maybe you don't identify as tune-up or maintenance, but it is something that we have to do regularly in order for a car to work and keep running. And, and that is fuel. You've got to put gas in it. Or these days, if you've got one of those hybrids or a plug-in, you've got to plug it in and charge it. And that's something you have to do all the time in order for a car to keep running and keep working, that we have to keep putting fuel in it or charging it up so that it will keep going. Perhaps we don't think much about that. It's become second nature and routine, but your car, you uh, are reminded of that very quickly if you're not paying attention and you run out of gas along the road. Then you know what it's like to say, oh yeah, that's something I need to keep doing over and over again. I don't know that we consider that much in our life of faith, though, do we? That we consider our life of faith as perhaps something that needs routine fueling, recharging, building up. That it has to regularly have a pattern of that in order for our walk with God to keep going and to keep going well, smoothly. So let's consider this morning what that looks like. How to fuel our life of faith, and our walk with God. What it looks like to regularly recharge so that our faith life can be kept strong with that. Today I'm going back to the Old Testament, and this is from the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 8. The context around this, uh, Deuteronomy overlaps a lot with Exodus and Leviticus and numbers. So these are stories that maybe you've heard in Exodus or other parts of the Bible. This is a part of Scripture where back in Deuteronomy chapter 5, is the Ten Commandments. And then all of the laws that go along with that, following chapter 5, here up through chapter 8, that's the story going on here. Moses is teaching the people of Israel all that God has commanded. So, Deuteronomy 8, the first 11 verses. Here's what he says. Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord has promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. "'Observe the commands of the Lord your God. "'Walk in obedience to him and and revering him. "'For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, "'a land with brooks, streams, and deep springs "'gushing out into the valleys and hills, "'a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, "'pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, "'a land where bread will not be scarce, "'and you will lack nothing.'" a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. And when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Fueling. What does it mean for us to be people who refuel or recharge the life of faith that we have? What does that look like? How does that work through a passage like this? Let let me begin by um, giving a little detail about what's going on in this passage. That will help pull some of the direction out of this for how this applies to us. Because there seems like there's a lot going on here. Moses is talking about The 40 years in the desert and the wandering that you had, but God provided manna and your clothes didn't wear out. Could you imagine that? Something in your closet that lasts 40 years? Well, maybe you do have something in your closet that has lasted 40 years. But they wore the same thing every single day, walking around in the desert, and it didn't wear out. The food, the manna was always there. God provided And then there's this other whole thing in this passage about commands, all these commandments that God is giving. Be careful to keep these commands and always remember them. So the commandments are part of this. And then there's something in this about the land that you're going to, this land that has all of these things that God is giving to you, and and he breaks that down by category, all the things, right? A, A land that's with brooks and streams, which is very different from the wilderness they'd been in in 40 years. For the 40 years in the wilderness, water would come when it rains or when God would miraculously provide it by gushing forth from a spring. But here in this new land, water is abundant. It just comes out of the ground. It's there. We don't think of things like that. We live in houses that all have plumbing, indoor plumbing, and it's water we can drink. We just naturally assume, whenever you're thirsty, water is just there. These people have not known that for the 40 years in the wilderness had not known that, but they're coming to a place where water is just there. That's something new for them. Also talks about this land as a place that grows all of these crops, the wheat and the barley, the olive oil, the pomegranates, everything that they need. A land where bread is not scarce, that's the staple of their diet, because grain is the Grain and olive oil are are sort of the two crops that they have that would keep and preserve so that through the seasons of the year where it wasn't growing season, it wasn't harvest, they could store up that grain and they continually made bread every day as a staple of their diet. Every day they will have bread. It won't be scarce there. And then this, this line about what the land provides when you dig, iron, copper, the things that they would need to make tools and implements for farming, all of the things that they would need are there provided in the promised land. All these things going on in this passage, they're 40 years in the wilderness, what they're coming to for the promised land, God's commandments given along the way. How does this all tie together? And and I think particularly for us today, okay, how is this instruction for us in fueling and charging our faith? So, so let's pay attention to a few things that take place here. I'm going to highlight just one word. The Hebrew language is one of those languages where words can have so many different meanings. Well, there, there's one word in this passage, and it's repeated three times. And it marks off the section, so that will help us identify what's going on in the story. One word I'm going to share here. It's the Hebrew word shamar. And it means roughly the idea of pay attention, or keep this in mind, or keep this in front of you. Remember this. In the passage that we read here today, it's translated in two different ways. As be careful, in verse 1 and in verse 11, and observe, in verse 6. I point that out because those are the markers that break up this passage, that help us see some structure, to what this is all about here, and and brings out the theme in this. So the beginning, shamar, pay attention, keep in mind, keep this in front of you. All that God has provided for you in the past. And then in verse 6, observe all the commands that God gives. And then way at the end again, pay attention, or shamar, keep in mind, keep in front of you. All that God... Is providing for you and will provide for you in the land that you're coming into. It breaks down that way in a way that helps us see something of the structure. And it, it goes in a, a 515 kind of structure, all right? So the, the passage goes first five verses are that first piece. The piece that looks backwards, remembering God's provision in the past, everything about what they did in the wilderness. Five verses for that. Verse six stands alone. This is a pivot or a hinge where the entire passage swings on that theme remembering God's commands. And then there's another set of five verses, seven through 11 remembering God's provision in the present and in the future, the land that they're coming to. That's the structure and the flow here, and it's all broken apart by that one word, shamar. Pay attention. Keep in mind. Keep this in front of you. Remember these things. All right? That's structure and how the structure works for this. But let's pay attention then to what that means for us as people who seek to refuel and recharge our life of faith. How is that woven into this? Consider how that takes place. Well, let me play around with maybe just a little bit of that first verse. The first verse that uh, we read there in chapter 8, the the passage that begins, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. Be careful. That's that word, shamar. Pay attention. Keep this in front of you. Keep this in mind. And the Hebrew word for every... I'm going to play with that one too because that's one of those words that also has so many different meanings. Because when you read it the way it's written there, be careful to follow every command I am giving you today. Does that feel a little overwhelming? And Not just the Ten Commandments, but all of those other commandments that are given in the Old Testament. Be careful to keep every one of them. It's an impossible task. And it does feel a bit overwhelming. How am I supposed to do that? If this is the command of God to, to keep every single one of these things, I, I've got a lot of work to do. I've got a long ways to go. I think there's, there's a, a way to understand this, though. A way in which maybe the nuance of the Hebrew language brings this closer to the theme that we see coming through this passage. Shamar, keep in mind, keep in front of you, the whole command. It's another possible translation for the Hebrew words there. The whole command I am giving you today. Not isolating every single one of them individually, but all of them together as a whole What do the commands mean all together as a whole? I think this is helpful. This is helpful for us to move forward in this one, to think about what this looks like and how this works, to keep the whole command in front of me. As I mentioned, this is a section of teaching that begins all the way back in chapter 5 with the Ten Commandments and keeps going from there. It's in chapter 6 of Deuteronomy where Moses summarizes some of these commandments. And it's a very familiar passage in many ways. This is what it says in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. In the New Testament as well, over and over again when the commandments come up, Jesus summarizes those commandments with that one command. Love God above all. Love neighbors as yourself. We just saw last week in our message from Romans 13 that the Apostle Paul makes reference to the commandments and gives the summary. All the commands are summarized in this one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. That the whole command, as we consider that, is characterized by a heart of love. Something of that theme is being woven into this. Something that turns our attention not towards this long list of all these little rules I have to keep, but something that turns my heart to pay attention to, to keep in mind, to keep in front of me the heart of love that's represented by these commands. The heart of God's love that's represented by the provisions that he has given in your 40 years in the wilderness and the provisions that he will continue to give in the land where you're going. All these things tie together within that theme, this shamar. Pay attention. Keep in mind. Keep in front of you all that God has provided. Keep in front of you the heart of God. That's what's represented in these commands. That is what is represented in the provision that God gives. It shows God's heart of love. And Moses is taking this part in his writing in Deuteronomy to bring those things together. God's heart of love that has provided so generously everything that you need. Keep that in front of you. Don't let go of that. Pay attention to that. Keep that in mind. God's heart of love that we see woven throughout all of the commandments. Keep that in mind. Keep that in front of you. Pay attention to that. Remember that. You see how this is working together now then? What Moses is after. Telling us to keep those things in mind the way that works. So, uh, how does this play out? in, In a life of faith, how does that play out as something that, that fuels or recharges? or What's the use for that for us today? Let's think about it that way. Maybe we can start by considering how that worked for the people of Israel in the Old Testament. There seemed to be a pattern. A pattern in God's people in the Old Testament that you see already after they come into the promised land. So you see it through the book of Judges and through all the kings and up through the exile and that period of history. This pattern that happens over and over again where the people turn away from God, or in other words, they stop paying attention. They're not keeping in mind, they are not keeping in front of them God's heart. Revealed in the provisions that he gives and the commands that he provides. They've lost touch with that. And then God's people fall away and they're attacked, they're invaded, they're overrun, they fall apart. Things go bad and what do they do? They turn and cry out to God. In that moment when everything falls apart, that's when they turn back to God. And God sends a, one of the judges or through the kings or through the prophets, restores and rescues them again, that pattern repeats itself over and over through the Old Testament. The people forget. They don't pay attention. They don't keep it in front of them. They don't keep it in mind until, follow this one now, until the tank runs empty, until the batteries are depleted, Till it's all used up and gone. The motor of their faith runs out. They're stranded by the road. Now, God help us. Send us something. They wait until it's empty. That seems to be the pattern over and over again for the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Doesn't it? It looks that way. If that's a pattern that shows up in God's people over and over in the Old Testament, I can't help them but ask the question and come to mind, do we do the same thing? Do we follow those patterns and those habits as well? Do we live as people of faith who let the tank run dry, let the batteries go all the way down before it occurs to us to cry out to God to pay attention, to keep in mind and to keep in front of us what God has provided and given and commands for his heart of love for us in his world do we have the same pattern of going until it's empty till we do that when i was in high school and and had my first car in high school and had you know my part-time job just working maybe 10 hours a week for a little bit of change that kind of a thing and and having to budget all that there were plenty of times in high school where all right, by the time that I paid for my insurance that I have for my car and want to do things with friends on the weekend and this and that, I've got maybe $2 left over for gas, something like that. That seemed to be something that occurred mm, more often than I would have liked in my high school years. But $2 could put in a couple gallons of gas back then, and that's what I need, all right? So I got a couple extra bucks. I can put in a couple gallons of gas, and, and I'm good There were stretches that would go a week at a time where I don't know that my car ever had more than a quarter tank of gas in it at any one time. Because that's just sort of, as a teenager and I'm only working 10 hours a week, that's sort of where the funding was for that. There was not those times when I could just, you know, fill it all the way up and ready to go. But I was just getting along with, what do I need just to keep it from running out? It wasn't a priority on, how do I get it full? It was a priority on, I just need to keep it from running empty. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. Or maybe think of it this way. Um, You ever have one of those days where where you forgot to plug in your cell phone the night before? You get up in the morning, you're about to go out, and, oh, I've only got 10% on my phone battery today. And I've got all these places I have to go and things I have to do and text messages that I have to send back and forth and email and calls that I have to receive and give and all that. But I don't have enough battery to do it because I didn't charge it all the way up. And what do I do on a day like that? Well, okay, I've got about a five-minute drive to the office. So I'll plug it in in the car. That'll give it just a little bit of a hit while I'm there. And, and I'm, I'm in the office for maybe half an hour before I have to head out to my first appointment. So I, I can plug it in there and give it another hit That I spend the whole day then just looking for these little moments where I can just give it that little bit of a jolt to maybe pick up just a little bit more power so that it doesn't die throughout the day, it doesn't go dead. Are there moments where our life of faith feels like that? You ever have that? Moments where a life of faith feels like I'm just starting the day on 10%. And, and I just need to find a little hit here and a little hit there just to keep it from dying. Just to keep it from going all the way empty. Not thinking we're talking about how do I charge it all the way back up to full, but, but living a life of faith that it's just trying to keep it from going completely empty and being completely bare. You know what that feels like? I think we do. Oh, maybe not all the time, but, but perhaps there are seasons, seasons of life when you know what that's like. Seasons of life when it feels like I'm just trying to make it through one day after the next in my walk with God. And that seems like the best I can do, just to hit these, these little power-ups along the way, just to get that one extra gallon of fuel in there, just to bring me a few more miles that it feels like that. I think we know a little something of what that pattern of Old Testament Israel was about that we see repeated again and again in Scripture, don't we? We know how that works in our lives. So perhaps we're longing for that full charge. We're longing to fill the tanks all the way up We're looking for that as something that guides our life of faith. We're longing for that that situation where I can come into church on a Sunday and, and it's just topping off the tank to get into whatever I'm going through the next week. That I'm starting the week at full and at full charge. When instead, how often does it feel like I'm coming into church on a Sunday completely depleted and I'm just trying to get a little bit back from everything that's been drained out of me in the week that just happened rather than focus on let's get it fully charged so I can hit the journey ahead. We tend to plan and do that way with our cars that we, that we think ahead for that, right? If you're taking a long trip, you usually don't start your trip with, with a quarter tank of gas. That's kind of the thing we think about of I know something big is coming up so I'm going to fill the tank First, I know I'm going to deplete a lot of this coming up where I have to go, so I'm going to make sure it's fully charged right at the front end. We don't think that way about our faith, though, do we? We don't think that way in terms of the walk, the journey of faith that I have coming up. may be a journey where I need to make sure I'm fully charged at the front end. That I'm going into it with a full tank. That I have what I need at the start. So God here in this passage in Deuteronomy is giving just a little bit of a hint in that direction. What it looks like to have a faith that's running on full, fully charged. What it takes for that to happen in our lives. And it anchors around that one word, Shamar. Pay attention. Keep in mind. Keep these things in front of you. The provision that he gives. The commandments that he has. The heart of love that's given for us. These are things that bring to mind for us proximity to God's heart. Proximity. That when I keep in mind, when I keep in front of me, when I make the center of my life that thing that pays attention to to God's heart of love and what he provides, when I keep in mind and keep at the center that heart of love of God that gives his commands that show his heart of love, when I keep that in the center, I keep proximity to God. I stay near to God in that. And in staying near to God and keeping that in mind and keeping that in front, God charges, fuels the faith that we have. His commands, then, are not so much a list of moralistic behavior modification. No, then the commands of God become fuel for faith formation because they always lead me back to the proximity of God's heart of love and build our faith through that. The provisions that he gives, when we keep those things in mind as provisions from God, always keep in front of us the heart of God's love for us. When we keep that in front of us, then we keep our faith charged, fueled. And when we keep in front of us the heart of God, we come to realize that God has kept his heart there all along. God promises in his scripture to never turn away anyone who comes to him in faith. He will always receive those who reach out to him in faith. He will never let go of that. He promises that and when we keep in front of us the heart of God's love that way, and we realize that his heart of love has always been there the whole time, whether we've been paying attention to it or not. He's always there. Keep that in front, and faith will be fueled, will be charged will be ready to walk with God. Let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of your word and the way that you remind us of how your heart of love has always been there with us. Thank you for the ways that you provide for us in that, ways that perhaps we forget about and think come from our own hands. Lord, thank you for the ways that your, your commands, for the loss that you give, Always point us towards that heart of love that you have. And Lord, we pray that in those days where it feels like we're just trying to keep the tank from running dry, just trying to keep the batteries from dying, give us what we need to take that next step forward. Assure us that you still do provide. And give us the space that we may come to know what it's like for our faith to be fully recharged and fueled up to walk with you. We know that is your heart to provide that for us. We pray this in the name of God. Amen.